Psalm 42:11. The psalmist was wrestling with and grappling with emotions and with with uh, depression and with challenges. And um, in the Passion Bible, it, it says it uh, with the term breakthrough. And I, I'm preaching to stir faith. I'm preaching for doubt to be starved and faith to come, for revival to stir in your heart, for restoration. And uh, I don't know if they even have the Passion Bible on the computer, so I'm just going to read it to you. Psalm 42:11 says, So I say to my soul, don't be discouraged, for I know my God will break through for me. So I say to my soul, do not be discouraged, for I know my God will break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, living before his face is my saving grace. Wow, that's a good translation. Brings some freshness to the subject. It reminds me of 1 Chronicles chapter 14, just for the Old Testament foundation of what I want to bring to you today. First of all, I'm going to preach to build faith I'm going to preach to starve doubt. I'm going to preach to rouse you with courage. I'm going to preach to push back demonic influence. I'm going to preach to offset depression and to push back anxiety. I'm going to download to make you effective and to equip you so you could carry something to others. The enemy hates this. He's working against you. He wants to sabotage you because you're the only light that America has. Jesus said, you're the light of the world, and the reason there's light in any country is because believers are there, and not believers that are diminished, whose pilot light is blown out, whose wattage is turned down on a dimmer switch, but, but the, where they have a realization. And it says here in 1 Chronicles chapter 14, with even someone like King David, it occurred to him, he realized in verse 2, that the Lord had established him as king. 1 Chronicles 14, verse 2 that he realized the Lord had established him as king for the people of Israel. So listen, exaltation, 1 Chronicles 14, verse 2, David realized that the Lord had established him as king. Do you know what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, that in Christ you and I reign as kings in this life? That Jesus is the king of kings? Who do you think the kings are? It's the people of God who were sinners and become transferred into the kingdom of light and become saints and are redeemed. Not, not self-righteous, not a righteousness of our own consisting of performance or works, but we have this impact and there needs to be this with it this realization. That spirit of wisdom and revelation, that stirring that can come, that when it happened to David, that it occurred to him that God had established him as king over Israel. I always pray that we would have people over us and authority over us that would have a surrendered heart when the righteous rule of the city rejoices and that people would be there for the right reasons. It wouldn't be to have obsessive power or I'll show you uh, the revenge of the nerds, some sort of fixation on power, you know, but that there would be people that would provide leadership and quality care for the masses. That's why we pray for those who are in authority over us in order that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life in all godliness and dignity. So it's always important. In fact, it's imperative that we pray for those in authority over us. God knows how to bring people down and raise people up so he can remove the satanic and the evil and he could bring forth those that will yield to the Holy Spirit even if they don't exactly think like we do, yet the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and they will be, as they yield, and we pray for them, they will provide good leadership. He, he knew he was exalted for precisely for the sake of the people. Exaltation. 
fame, power, all is for the purpose of lifting up Jesus. If God wants to give you an elevation and a platform, it's purely, purely to serve. It's purely to honor God. It's purely to help people. That's the reason for exaltation. That would be the reason for fame. Your platform is interesting to God. The real estate of your platform, your heart, your capacity, your gifting, your expression, your facial uh, expressions, your, your, your thinking processes, your faculties, your gifting. You're wired by God. You're made in his image. And it's wonderful. He said it's good. He said it's very good. Let us make man in our image. Let him rule over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air. Give him dominion. God's called us to have a certain level of influence and impact through the course of our lives. And there, we all have a sphere. We all have a place. In fact, part of the definition of breakthrough is that we advance and we have success in every sphere and in every activity. So I trust God for the anointing to come on me when I'm preaching. I trust God for the anointing to come on me as a, as a husband. I need the anointing as a husband, the anointing being the presence of power of the Holy Spirit. Can't do this stuff in your own power. Some people are prone to more disciplines and more skills than others, but at the end of the day, our humanity runs out of gas. And in fact, our humanity is actually crippled by sin, and it is, is, we have a fallen situation. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So the glory and the lifter, the redeemer, the resurrection and the life comes in on the thing. He changes broken humanity, brings healing to us, and fosters something so powerful, so potentially impactful, that the devil tries to stop it at its source. When they want to hinder water supplies, they find the source and they try to cap it. In the days of Abraham, he dug wells. And then after Abraham died, the Philistines tried to cover up the top of the wells with dirt. The book of Genesis, Isaac got out there with a shovel and started digging up the dirt off the wells. And there was contention. There was a fight. There's a fight against the spiritual flow out of you and me. And we've got to learn to understand that and just take our place. And this is why I'm preaching about breakthrough. And the model would be in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 through 25, where Jesus said, number one, have faith in God. Everybody say faith. faith. Number two, he said, speak to your mountains. Everybody say speak. speak. Number three, he said, pray big prayers. Everybody say pray. pray. And number four, he said, by the way, when you pray, forgive. Everybody say forgive. forgive. So those four power words, faith, speak, pray, forgive constitute aspects of what we will have to do to see breakthrough. We have faith. D.L. Moody back in the 1800s said, I prayed for faith and he thought it would come out of heaven like lightning. And then one day it occurred to him when he read Romans the 10th chapter, verse 17. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he, he went back into the Bible and began to study it. This is how I know 1 Chronicles 14 because I read it. This is how I know Psalm 42, because I read it. Well, you read it because you're a pastor and you're required to teach. No, I read it because I'm a Christian. And I, it necessitates, I have to have the word to understand God's will, to understand his mind, to understand what's available to me. I have to inventory what has been given to me. This is a God who is a provider. He has moved on David's life. He has moved on Joshua and Caleb's life. He moved on Paul the Apostle's life. He helped Thomas through his struggles and made him a mighty champion. 
He caused change to occur throughout the nations from the gospel going forth in the day of Pentecost. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I really don't know what your Judea is, your Samaria, your uttermost parts, your local. You, you have a footprint. You have a destiny. You have an anointing on your life, not only to model something, but to convey something that's different than you think it is, more powerful than you realize it is. The devil works to diminish us, to get us to under-evaluate under and live below our realm. I mean, we see a sense of entitlement in the world of, of pride and selfishness, but in the kingdom, that's not what it is. What it is is this awareness. When David realized God had, had established him as king, and what it was, it was for the people. It wasn't so he was great on Instagram. It wasn't so he was the most handsome champion of the world. It wasn't so he was a superhero. It wasn't so he could amass so much accolade. He didn't care about that. He realized that he had a service opportunity. And he was, he was obedient. He was a man after God's own heart. And he, was, he would do God's will. And you see the struggles and the ebbs and flows. You even see in Psalm 55, 51 where he so failed and he said, God, forgive me, I've sinned against you. And he said, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me. He said, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation and then sinners will be converted to you. And that's what I want to believe God for. Your prayer life gets better. That Have you noticed you go to pray and it's like, ah, you want to witness to be, I, I don't want to witness. I don't want to spread this misery I'm in right now. The devil wants to stop us at the very source of our connection with God and our connection with people. And we've got to just put a stop to it right now in Jesus' name. We are the ambassadors for Christ. We are conveying something to the world that they're in desperate need of. We need to learn to share Jesus effectively in a non-threatening way. We need to be ennobled. And this is a good environment for us to be reminded of that. We come into this house. We're like-minded. Nobody made you come. What David did, just in a quick synopsis, is he took on more wives and he fathered more sons and daughters. And what it really is, is the diversity and the multifaceted fruitfulness that started to come from the, the realization, the revelation. Man, I, I have been made in God's image. Jesus loves me. Jesus died to save sinners. I qualify. And I now am made a new creature in Christ. Jesus has done something in my life. Remarkable. I, I bought with a price. So I'm going to glorify God in my body. I have de been designed to go forth and that signs and wonders are to follow me. So that means I'm to be on the move. And I'm to be on the move in faith. And that breakthrough is to occur. And in fact, the Philistines heard that David was realized this and got the revelation. He was anointed as king. Started fighting against it. When the Philistines heard that the wells were bubbling up with fresh water. They tried to throw dirt on it. The Philistines represent the enemy, represent attack, represent opposition, and they represent darkness to us. But Isaac digging the wells and David inquiring of the Lord, that rep that's representative of our responsibility to have faith in God and speak to our mountains and command them to be removed and, and to pray, believe, and receive when we pray. And when we pray, to forgive, and not allow unforgiveness and resentment to hijack and cripple our faith and our prayers and our mountain moving. 
We are not going to allow the momentum of our lives to be hindered by these lesser things. And we all know some of the trends and tendencies of our flesh, and we just have to continually crucify those and continually repent, continually surrender those and develop faith and overcome. We are the overcomers. That means we have things to overcome. We are more than conquerors. That means we have things to conquer, all right? I appreciate the reality basis of this. I appreciate that the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. I'm not preaching to a room full of idealists with baseless optimism or just kind of glib about it and putting on a happy face. I'm dealing with the redeemed of the Lord who actually are reality-based, who see things harsh the way they really are. That's how we got saved. We got convicted by the Holy Spirit of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, and it compelled us, oh God, please help me. I need, if there's a God, show me. I need you, Lord. And God provided some way for you and me. God touched our hearts, and it was usually through the catalyst of somebody else. I'm a product of being in contact with wide-awake, genuine, technicolor Christians that weren't embellishing, weren't putting on airs, they weren't part of a cult, they weren't trying to get attention, they weren't seeking approval, they weren't trying to show off how powerful they were or how religious they were or spiritual they were. They were just people that basically just said, man, I had nothing, and then Jesus turned my life around. My life was a mess, and God turned my life around. There's hope for us. There's help for us. I can respond to that. I can't respond to 90% of the religiosity that I've seen since I've been a Christian, but I can respond to a heart that's authentic, to a person that genuinely says, God, I realize you're God, and you're a rewarder of those who seek you. And God, I want to walk in a manner worthy of you. I don't want to put on pretense. I don't, this needs no embellishment. I don't need to inflect anything. I don't need to make sure like a Pharisee I'm being noticed for my prayers or my giving or my sacrifices. God, I want this to be for an audience of one, but God, I want the anointing to flow so that breakthrough can occur so other people can get in on what you've given me. How good God is. How merciful he is. How tolerant, how patient he's been toward you and me. Are, are you kidding? What a testimony we have that we're still here fighting the good fight of faith. That ought to give you courage, man. Given the stuff you've been through. What? So he inquired of the Lord. and The Lord gave him specifics on how to fight the fight. And I pray you get specifics on your breakthrough. The year 2020, obviously, when you go to optometrist, and the, the ideal is to have what kind of vision, right? Yeah. So it's going to be a grand year. So David fought and scrapped and under the technical leadership of God gave him specifics. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I'll answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. I realize some of your stuff is complex. You don't even ask somebody for counsel because if you asked them, they'd glaze over and start looking at their phone. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and then they go, oh man, that, you know, I'm glad I'm not you. That's what I, I've had that kind of help. My help doesn't come from man. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes from whence comes my help. My, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence come my help. Well, it doesn't come from the hills. It come, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And in fact, the hills, the mountains are the things I'm commanding to be removed. So what am I going to do? David inquired of the Lord. I encourage you to get your stuff and go before the Lord and be extremely honest with him. He knows everything about you. So if you start doing something pretentious, then say, God, I'm doing something pretentious. He'll go, yeah, I know. And then, thank you. Now I can do something with you. 
I've had that so many times in my prayer life. Oh, I'm going through stuff. He goes, let me know when you're done with that. And it's like, oh, I'm here to connect with God. I forgot. Well, you're Pastor Jeff. I know. But I'm a learner. I'm a life learner. I'm still learning. Biggest room in my life is a room for improvement. No, the biggest room in my life is the throne room. The biggest room in my life is the upper room, the throne room. That's the biggest room in your life, too. Biggest room in your life is not the room for improvement. The biggest room in your life is this invitation to come into his presence and inquire of him. What do I do, Lord? You could take a moment where we're at church and get a turning point, pivotal download of a substantial bit of information. David realized the Lord had established him as, as king and his, his kingdom so that people will be helped. That's all it is. That's what we pray for for our leaders, local, regional, national, global, governmental, presidential, so forth. That they just have a heart. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. That they wouldn't punk out and rebel against God's values. When the righteous rule of the city rejoices, nations have toppled because of Christian, the substance of redemption, resurrection, the blood of Jesus, the authenticity of the deity of Christ all gets challenged in church, and church gets neutral and starts getting watered down. You watch what's happened to France and the losses in nations. And you also watch when George Whitfield and John Wesley preached boldly in Britain during the same period and fended off the darkness in a nation. This is critical, what I'm doing here. I'm not just up here being glib and trying to help you to have some cheerfulness. It's so critical that you understand your ambassadorship, your position as a new creature in Christ, your citizenship in heaven, your positional change where Jesus is raised up above the principalities and the powers, and so is the church. And God has chosen to dispense this precious knowledge of the kingdom through the church the manifold grace and wisdom of God through the church. And I'm telling you, when I was called into the ministry, I thought I would be out there as an evangelistic person. I thought I'd be out there traveling and itinerating. But the Lord compelled me to come in and not only commit into a local church, but actually pioneer and develop a local church. He told me everything would emanate out of the church. I'm a big believer in the church. You know why? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love the general church of, of the all around the world. I honor the body of Christ all around the world. And I so appreciate with such deep affection my home church body. I'm part of this body. I couldn't do what I do without you guys. We need each other. And we need each other to be on point. And that's why a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And that's why the devil's tugging on you to try to find a weak point to break that thing. And I'm believing God any chains that break off will be the demonic chains, but strength will come to you. Breakthrough will come to you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. The guy that led me to the Lord got breakthrough over a heroin addiction. He got breakthrough over the dishonoring, being dishonorably discharged by the military. They, sh they should have treated him better than that. 
He lost his wife because he got an immorality because of all the new popular, new social changes. Oh, now we're going to have free love, shacking up and all this stuff and turn away from the Judeo-Christian model and expect it to bear a good result. It didn't bear a good result. The deterioration of society is what got me as a 16-year-old concerned enough to start crying out and I got saved. I ended up getting saved. That last social craziness brought me into an awareness and it was called the Jesus Movement. We have to even have something even greater. We have to have something now. And so I want to go and finish with this. First of all, verse 11. So they came to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them. This is 1 Chronicles 14, 11. David defeated them there, and David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of waters. Don't you love the verbiage there? Therefore, they named that place Baal Perazim. What are the areas in your life where you could say, man, I conquered? That Vietnam vet told me that he had a heroin addiction and he got free from it. He told me that he had the disappointment of a broken marriage and God healed him from it. He told me that he tried Eastern religions and none of them worked. God healed him from pursuing the answer in the wrong places. And he looked at me and he told me Jesus changed his life. And in his feeble attempt to share the gospel with me, stuttering, feeling nervous, having trepidation, it was not his oratory that got me saved. It wasn't his charm. It wasn't his charisma. It was the simple power of the gospel. He had confidence that it was incorruptible seed and that if he just did the sowing and if he just sowed the seed, that, that there would be a good outcome. He had confidence in the seed. Say this with me. I have confidence in the seed. The seed of God's word. He said it does not return void without accomplishing what it's been sent to do. And it's incorruptible seed. It's precious. It will produce a harvest. Hallelujah. So he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies by my hand. And that's where there's an incorporation of God's part and our part. God's responsibility and our responsibility. God does his thing. We do our thing. Our thing is mainly responding to how good he is. Having faith in God just means you're faithful and I trust that. And I'm going to live a life of that by speaking to my mountains. God, you're so good and you spoke and said, let there be light. So I command these mountains to be removed. You shall have faith as a grain of, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to the devil trying to attack your kids when they're being bullied on social media, be thou removed. You'll tell, the, you'll tell the evil spirits that are bringing temptation into the life of your loved one, your grandchild, or, or the disruption that's not consistent with what you believed God for when you started. You'll command that mountain to be removed. And you won't do it like, a, I'll try this out. You'll know it's deeply seated, deeply held, strong conviction. And it's not a, it's not a bias. It's not like, well, that's sort of a, a trend that, you know, you have this sort of uh, faith. No, this is age old. By faith, we understand the world is framed by the word of God. By faith, the ancients obtained a good testimony through the course of their lives. And by faith, uh, it's just confidence in God. Sarah thought, okay, I can have a baby even though I'm past menopause and Abraham is not a spring chicken. And we can actually father and mother uh, uh, many nations, and they did. We're the result of their strong stand of faith. I appreciate what they did. I'm the result of it. I'm the result of the guy who feebly 
shared the gospel with me when I was 16 years old, November of 1972 in Southern California, in the midst of that hippie thing, anti-war demonstrations, air pollution, there's not going to be any more water anymore, lines at gas stations, massive hostility in politics. And God created a breakthrough. God visited my, in my particular high school, nestled up there in the 35 miles from L.A., God was moving every week people were getting saved. Every, God was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. And then I remember the spillover of it in the early years of our ministry. We would go out and we found it easy to share the gospel with people, to start up a conversation. And it was a touch of God's grace. Well, I've learned to be ready in season and out of season. That was an in-season moment. And then we've had lots of time where it's been a cold, cold winter. But even in cold, cold winter, I'm told that oak trees still grow and that actually the strength of the hardwood of oak is not in the summer and the, and the spring months where the, the sunshine is abundant and the nutrients are present. It's in that hard time. The guy that led me to the Lord had been through something. It authenticated his message. I listened to him. Much of it went over my head except that something hit my heart and it was that I was in the presence of a changed life. You are different than you used to be. You're a new creation in Christ. I'm talking to people who don't feel like you're very spiritual right now. I'm talking to people who haven't picked up their Bible for three weeks. I'm talking to people who feel like your prayer life is crummy. I'm talking to people like, God, if God really loved me, why is it like this? I had some honeymoon moments, but what is going on now? Maybe it's that harsh winter period and God's about to resonate something so profound to a world that needs to hear the real thing. I'm so adamant about this. I want whatever expression comes out of this movement to be correct, to be biblically right on. I want it to honor Jesus, period. I want it to serve and translate into helping people, period. I don't need any embellishment. I don't want any spin doctrine. I don't need hype. I am not interested in it. It would not have led me to the Lord. It would have turned me off. In fact, it still turns me off. Game playing, fetish behavior, turning people into gurus. No, Jesus is Lord, and we're part of the body, and we can follow him. Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. And Paul was not goofy. Paul was not obsessed on himself. Paul was humble. Paul lived for God and he knew his help came from God. That's the same thing David said. God has delivered me. He said, he, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of waters. It could be your prayer. It could be at this time that you and I, we just stand on the conviction that God hears and answers prayer and that he is faithful, that he watches over his word to perform it even in your case, even in my case, even in our case, even in this moment. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a marker turning point day. Why not? Why not it be this day? Why keep putting it off? Why keep projecting ahead? Why keep longing for the glory days and projecting ahead? The, yesterday's past and tomorrow hasn't happened yet. This is the day. The, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. In fact, if you're going through stuff, I pray you come all the way through. We saw Tim Robbins. We were out in California preaching, and we saw Tim Robbins ride by on his bike. We waved to him. He said, hey, man, rode by on his bike. And I remember when he played Andy in uh, Shawshank Redemption. 
And I'm told that the, direct, the, the overseers of that show, Stephen King wrote it, but the overseers of the show had a, have a godly uh, component. So there were godly themes that came through that story. And when Andy escaped, he was incarcerated unjustly, and, and uh, it, he cl- had to climb through the sewer pipe. And there's a scene where he comes out of the sewer pipe, and he's out in the water, and the rain is washing him, and it's the God scene. Uh, Pastor Patsy told me that that's what the directors, they bring a camera up into this height, and it showed him, and he had his arms out. It's very emotional for me. And because it, it just reminds me of so many of you, so many of us, so many of our times where we feel like we're crawling through a half a mile of sewer pipe. And it's like, when are we going to bust out of this? Because I can only hold my breath for an hour and a half. You know? So I, I'm good. I can hold my breath for an hour and a half. But I want to get out of the sewer pipe, Pastor Jeff. So does everybody else that's out there lost. They don't even know it. And... Uh, that's why breakthrough is critical for me. It's like, in addition to having it happen for you and your situation and in your case, then I want it to be transferable and communicated to the layers of people that you'll be contacting. I'm advocating and I'm pleading the case for people who don't yet know the Jesus that you and I have become appreciative toward. And um, we've got to dust this off and brave this scene we're in and fight the good fight of faith. There's a city, a state, a nation, a generation at stake. And the stakes are very high. And all your garbage is on the job training for bigger kingdom duties. Whatever you're dealing with, the same sufferings are being experienced by your brethren in the world. So we're not alone in this. There's no pretense about this. We are really fighting a fight of faith, but it's a fight that we can win. We overcome by, by our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And we believe, and therefore we speak. We speak to this mountain. We speak to whatever particular mountain we're facing. Speak to it when you get in the car. Speak to it when you're driving. Speak to it as soon as you get in the car. I only have a four-mile drive. And so I have to pray faster and twice as much as you. Some of you guys have to drive. Some of you have the luxury of having to drive 20, 30, 40 miles. Do you realize how much of a blessing that is? You get to have such rich prayer time. Are you kidding? Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel comes along. God's calling him to an interesting thing, very similar to our generation right now. The hand of the Lord was upon him, and he brought him out by the Spirit of the Lord and set him down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. Same thing with Jesus in Luke chapter four. Comes out of the water of baptism. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. John hears the voice. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He comes up, he goes out into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. Ezekiel is out in this dry bones wilderness. I got to go to Cambodia a few years ago. We built a beautiful orphanage in town there and brought a, a Ton, I mean, I don't know how much rice we gave away, and we served and helped the people in that moment. And we empowered a pastor in a village who, as a young man, had to overcome the killing fields of Pol Pot. Terrible. Millions of people because of a lapse. We don't want to have that happen. We want to believe God to push back darkness, to cover for our children and children's children. Can I hear an amen? And I was taken to the killing fields, and there were, unfortunately, loads of them. And what they were were places where people were taken out in mass killings and mass graves. Terrible. They've 
memorialized it by piling up the skulls of the abused. And it is morbid. It's haunting. It really tells me I've got to lead people to the Lord. We've got to stand up in our country and in our generation. And we've got to push back the darkness off of our land. And the only way to do that is understanding Jesus is the light of the world and that we're the light of the world. Light only happens in a place where Christians are and where they actually realize they're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Satan works to diminish. Oh, there's no resurrection. We don't really believe in the Trinity. We don't believe in the deity of Christ. We don't really believe the Bible's the authority of... So we'll just kind of just be social. We'll just play bingo. We'll just run around. We'll just kind of have events and we'll play folk music. No, the church is the church because Jesus is the Son of God. Because unto us a child is born, a son is given, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We could mule kick with this stuff. This takes us from trying to cut a tree down with a, with a spoon and getting a real chainsaw that can drive through a giant mighty oak of an obstacle. Command it, say, be thou removed. Speak to your mountains. Speak the word over your kids. If you're going on and start murmuring about them, stop and say, God, forgive me. Correct me on this. They, and call, Abraham knew God would call into being that which does not exist. That's radical. God said, let there be light. I was looking at a distant star and I was realizing the astronomers have told me those are those gas orbs like our sun. And some of them are way bigger than our sun. And it takes a long time for the light to get here to show us those lights. And I, th I look at those little points of light and I think, that thing is huge and amazing and distant and awesome. And it shows how grand and big God's stuff is. He makes big things. He does wonderful things. And yet he calls humanity the crown and glory of his creation. So what are we going to do? We're not getting smug about it. We embrace it. I think the reason Jewish people are persecuted is partly because they've embraced the realization that they're God's people. They're chosen people. That made all everybody else mad. When Abraham dug the wells and the Philistines hated it, they wanted to cover the wells. There's jealousy, there's selfishness, and Isaac had to come back. Another generation had to dig. So I know I, I'm, I'm on a continuum, and I'm just digging. I've got my shovel in hand. I'm shovel ready. I'm trying to scoop the dirt off my life, and I want to scoop the dirt off my family's life, and I want to scoop the dirt off our church's life, and I want to scoop the dirt off of the community's life, and I want to scoop the dirt off of America's life. I don't want America to go to hell. I want people to be saved. There are over 300 million people here, and I want them to be saved. There are 1.4 billion people in India. I want them to be saved. The same amount in China. I want them to be saved. Russia is open. I want it to be saved. Amen. We start trailing off because we're so aware of our, our close proximity. But when David realized God had anointed him, it's just like Ezekiel. God's trying to show him, look at this valley of dry bones. It is what it is. Look at society the way it is. And yet, I want you to do something about it. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by the morbidity of it. When I went to the killing fields, what was tragic was I walked through there, and human bones and clothing, articles of clothing, were all on the surface of the ground. Little wisps of printed cloth. You could tell that was a woman. You could tell that, that there was denim there. There was, there was khaki there. It was like, oh no. I was walking through it and I thought, oh God, I thought about this verse that he goes into this valley of dry bones and he carried me to this to pass among them around about and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and lo, they were very dry. See, God wanted us to see. He wanted Ezekiel to see this moment and he said, son of man, can these bones live? And he said, well, Lord, you know. That's what we do. 
and go, yeah, that, we're going to defer that back to you. You're trying to delegate something here. I'm going to put it back on you. Uh, we'll get, you know, let me get back to you on that. You know. And God, God goes, yeah, I do know. Because he could call into being that which does not exist. But in verse 4, he says, again, I say to you, he said, prophesy over these bones. Now, Ezekiel's been prophesying. He said, I'm going to send you to a rebellious house. And whether they listen to you or not, they'll know a prophet has been among them. And so he said, don't fear their faces. Just preach. Don't be results-oriented. He's telling us as Christians, live your Christian life. And you might go through some suffering. You might go through some affliction. You will. There's no might about it. But yet, the Lord will deliver you out of them all. That's my final bias right there, is there's a breakthrough in here somewhere. God will turn this thing around for good. David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation, then there'll be change. And that's what I pray for. I think the guy that led me to the Lord, I don't know that there was anything more harsh than a heroin addiction, a dismissal, dishonorable dismissal from our government, coming to a country that didn't appreciate him at all, alienating his wife because of immorality, trying cults, and then finding Jesus. I'll tell you what, he was at the bottom of the bottom. He was older than me, he'd lived, he'd been there, done that. I thought, there's hope. You model something. He still doesn't know I got saved, unless he's in heaven. I live with the awareness that I, everything I do, he'll get, the, he'll get the reward for it. Everything I do in my life, he'll get the reward for it. You may not know it. So I love Billy Graham, and I love Reinhard Bonnke, and I love bigness. I love T.L. Osborne. I got the privilege of getting to be around all three of those men to some degree. I got to see 750,000 people. I got to be there when Billy Graham preached in our city when he said he was going to retire, and then he changed his mind. I got to see Kurt Warner get up there and preach. I got to see my own kids sing in the Salty production with 25,000 people. I got to see some wonderful things. I got to interact with T.L. and Daisy Osborne, who were pioneer evangelists during a time where they couldn't lay hands on everybody anymore because so many people gathered. I got to be around Bonky, who a cyclone blew down his 34,000-seat tent, and it, what it did was it was devastating until, oh, it just expanded the potential to go from 34,000 to 1.6 million at one point in Lagos, Nigeria. And yet I'm not the product of that major type of outreach. I honor it, respect it. We've sown toward it. We've prayed over it. We believe in it. But I'm the product of being in contact with a wide awake couple of believers like you. That's why I'm preaching like I am. I know that this I can invest my life in and trust that there will be an outcome that will be catalytic. It will be a chain reaction. It will be the ripple of the pond effect or the domino effect where it'll cause a precipitation of, hallelujah, supernatural revival in the church and harvest amongst the lost. He said, you prophesied of these bones. He said, well, God, you know, you know, you know, you prophesied of these bones. You speak to your mountains. You command this breakthrough to come. You command the devil to pry his fingers off of your kids and off of your finances and off of your thought life and off of your hormones. A guy just told me I am a poster child for some kind of melanoma. And I said, well, that would not be something you'd want to pick to be. But since you are, let's give a big old hallelujah. I don't think that guy was happy he got drafted, got addicted to heroin, had to deal with combat, got kicked out, and his life was spinning into failure. I don't think he picked any of that, but I'll tell you what he did do. He called on the name of the Lord, and he got radically and wonderfully saved and modeled it for me and told me that Jesus could change my life. 
I'm here today because he conveyed that simple message out of all that harshness and all that hurt. And that's what I want to finish with with you guys. You, the valley of dry bones would be the lost. And we're to prophesy to the valley of dry bones. Yeah. And then he later on says, I don't have time to read all of it, so you'll have to read it. Ezekiel 37, read the first several verses. It'll empower you. Prophesy to the breath. He said he heard the bones come back together. It was supernatural. This happened before. Signs and wonders. Lazarus was raised from the dead later on. Jesus was raised from the dead. God shut the mouths of lions for more than one person. God quenched the power of fire for more than one person. God healed leprosy for more than one person. He brought salvation for everybody. Well, but it's just for the elect. Well, whoever the elect are, let's preach to everybody. We'll figure out when we get to heaven who the elect are. But let's get everybody saved that we can. We still have to preach the gospel. We can't let a principal go, oh, well, they might not be elect, so I'm not going to preach to them. Are you kidding me? Preach the gospel. Here's what he said. Prophesy to the breath. That original vision, that original spark, that core, that which has already been blessed of the Lord. There's certain things that God has done in this church that he has obviously set in motion. I don't want to get too far away from it. I want to speak to the original fire. I did a funeral a few days ago for a man. Barbara, city councilwoman, asked me to do the service. You want to know why? Barbara had faith when we first came here into this valley before you could see anything, when our church was not nearly as large as it is, and she had no physical observation of it but had a spirit of faith. So we got in the valley. We got in the church. Six months later, it flooded. I had developed so much connection with, the, at the time, the, the mayor and the city council. I was on a first-name basis with her. So I went in there, and I, and I said, you know, uh, we will make ourselves available to serve. At first, they, couldn't, they didn't have an action plan for the flood. They told me later, you put out so many political fires. I didn't even know it. I, I'm, not, I'm not even political. I hate the whole subject. I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy. But I, I know to be substantial with Jesus and to obey him. And then it ends up, if you just obey God, you end up looking so smart. They give you like citizen of the year awards, a businessman of the year awards. It's like, okay. I know where my help comes from. And I know it was just, I overcommitted. And then all of you guys worked so hard. That was my testimony. And uh, they gave us this award, you know. The mayor got up and said, this church did more than all the rest of us. And I got up and I said, well, here's what my deal was as a leader. I got up and saw the situation, and I overcommitted our church, and then they scrambled and worked so hard. And on behalf of the 8,000 volunteers, that's why I would accept the, the award. Because I know, first of all, it was God helping us. Well, if God really loved you, why did he let you get in the valley and have you get flooded? He didn't, he didn't have us get flooded. He just knew, he knew we would trust him and that we would respond to his word. That's all. And the reason it flooded, why did it flood? It flooded because it rained and the levee broke. That's my theology on that. If God really loved me, why did my kid make these bad decisions? Well, because they have free will and you're not in control of all of it. And they have to make choices. And by the way, didn't you make some dumb choices? Well, if God really loved me, why do I have these symptoms? Well, because we're in a fallen world. That's why it's so wonderful to stand on the promises of the word and by his stripes, we are healed. I said, by his stripes, we are healed. I pray breakthrough on you. I pray you live out your days. Amen.